Hello, I'm Derek Walker, pastor of the Oxford Bible Church, and we are studying our way through the book of Revelation. Last time we started to study the order of events for the battle or the war of Armageddon, which takes place over a few weeks leading up to the second coming of Christ. And today we're going to focus a lot on a, on a central issue that's involved, that's necessary for Christ to return, and that's the national repentance and salvation of Israel. So far we've seen, uh, number one, the sixth bowl of wrath in Revelation 16 initiates the gathering of all the armies of the world to Israel just a few weeks before the return of Christ. Secondly, the Antichrist gathers these armies, all the armies of the world, to Megiddo in north Israel. And Armageddon means the hill of Megiddo, a strategic location in the north of Israel overlooking the Jezreel Valley a perfect place for the gathering of large armies. This is just the initial gathering place from which the armies move to cover the whole land of Israel. Thirdly, these armies then move south toward Jerusalem and Judah, uh, so that Jerusalem now comes under siege. At this point, Zechariah 12.9 uh, tells us that the Lord is ready now to personally come and destroy all these invading armies. In the, it shall be in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. Then fourth, we saw that the Antichrist armies don't just stop at Jerusalem, but they go further southeast to Petra or Bosra in South Jordan to destroy the believing remnant of Israel who uh, fled there at mid-tribulation. And then fifthly, and that's what we're gonna focus on today, is the national repentance of Israel. There are many scriptures that tell us that the basis for Christ's return to establish his kingdom is the national repentance and salvation of Israel through faith in Jesus Christ. They have to repent of their rejection of the Messiah. This is, this is such a big teaching in the Bible that it's a major doctrine of scripture. The reason that Jesus couldn't establish his kingdom and come into his earthly glory in fulfillment of the prophets at his first coming after his death and resurrection was the national rejection by Christ of Christ by Israel. So instead of establishing his kingdom, God brought in the mystery which he had kept hidden from the foundation of the world, even the church age that's happening at the moment. However, God will not fail in fulfilling all his promises and covenants and prophecies to Israel. He has not finished with Israel and he will still fulfill his covenants to her and he will still establish his kingdom through her. Her initial rejection of Christ simply meant that his prophesied messianic kingdom will be postponed, was postponed until after the church age. After the fullness of the church harvest is gathered into heaven, in the rapture, God will again focus on completing the salvation of Israel so that by the end of the tribulation, all Israel will be saved. As Romans says, blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved. Once Israel receives Christ and is saved through the new covenant, he can return to establish his messianic kingdom on the earth. It's like God's offer to Israel to possess the promised land in the time of Moses. They failed, but they failed to possess it. Even they could have, but they failed to possess it because of unbelief. As a result, their possession of the land was postponed 40 years before they possessed it by faith under Joshua. 
and they had to live as a result of their unbelief. They had to live in the wilderness rather than the promised land for 40 years. And so in the same way, when Israel rejected the prophet like unto Moses through unbelief, their possession of the kingdom was postponed 2,000 years. But it's a case of delay rather than denial. Instead of enjoying the kingdom, they had to wander in the wilderness of the nations. But now the time is approaching when they will repent and put their faith in the greater than Joshua, Jesus. In fact, Joshua and Jesus, same name. And Jesus will come and lead them into the possession of their promised kingdom. The spiritual basis for the messianic kingdom is the new covenant through Christ. And so... As a result, it's necessary for Israel to come under the new covenant by receiving Christ as Lord, King and Saviour in order for Israel to possess the kingdom. And so Christ can only return to deliver Israel from the Antichrist when Israel is spiritually ready by her national repentance and receiving him as her Messiah King. The major theme of Matthew's Gospel is actually this, the presentation of Christ to Israel as her Messiah King and his offer of the kingdom to her, to Israel, and in his first coming. But Israel's leaders rejected him as their king, and so the kingdom was taken from Israel to be given to a future generation. It was taken from that generation to be given to a future generation of Israel. So as a result, he couldn't establish his kingdom then, and instead judgment came upon Israel in AD 70, causing her destruction, and she was then scattered to the nations. In the meantime, God brought in the mystery church age, sending the gospel to the nations, and the focus now is on the salvation of the Gentiles. Uh, and God, but God never turned his heart from Israel, but he did hide his face from her. And there followed 2,000 years of suffering and persecution, and sadly, the church has been to blame for much of the anti-Semitism. But God's plan has not changed. He will still establish his kingdom through Israel. And so for Christ to return and establish his kingdom, Israel and her leaders must first repent of their rejection of Jesus and welcome him as their king. Only then can he fulfill God's promises and covenants to her in the messianic kingdom. <clears throat> in Matthew 23, after denouncing the leaders of Israel for rejecting him, Jesus said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. They were not willing to receive him as their king. See, your house, the temple, is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you leaders of Israel, you shall see me no more until you, you leaders of Israel, say to me, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Here Jesus directly and plainly says he will depart from Israel and not return to Israel to save them until their leaders, the nation in other words, as represented by the leaders, call on him officially, inviting him to return to be their king. Uh, with the messianic greeting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In other words, he'll only return when Israel as a nation accept him as her Messiah. And this requires the national repentance and salvation of Israel through faith in Christ. And so Christ made it a condition that for him to return to judge the nations and establish Israel in the kingdom, Israel must receive him and invite him to be her king. And this will happen because 
his next action after declaring this in the temple was to ascend the Mount of Olives to give his famous prophetic teaching, the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24. And in that teaching, he predicted the future of the future, the, sorry, the course of the future age, which he will bring to a close by his return to save his elect nation Israel from destruction. Let's read some of that. Then there'll be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning, beginning of the world till this time, no, nor ever shall be, unless those days of the tribulation were shortened, were cut short, by his return, no flesh would be saved, but for the elect's sake, for Israel's sake, those days will be cut short by the return of Christ to save Israel. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Forever, for wherever the carcass, that's Israel is, there the vultures, the armies of Antichrist, will be gathered together in order to eat her up. So Jesus predicts that in the Great Tribulation, Israel, the elect nation, will face annihilation. And she would be destroyed utterly if he did not return to save her. But he will return to save her, just as she's about to be destroyed by Antichrist's army, in response to a repentant Israel calling upon Jesus to return to save her. So before Jesus can return, one thing is needful, and that's the national repentance of Israel for her rejection of Christ. This is the basis for the return of Christ. He can only return if Jesus receive him as, sorry, he can only return if Israel receives Jesus as their Messiah King and welcome him, calling on him to save her. Israel's repentance there is then the covenantal basis for the return of Christ. At the point of her extinction, during Armageddon, in her extremity, on the brink of her destruction, God will give Israel full repentance. And Israel, in the land of Israel and, and in Bosra, will call on Yeshua for deliverance, calling on him to come and save them from the Antichrist. In our sequence of events, we saw that Zechariah 12, uh, verse 1 to 8, describes the attack on Jerusalem by the armies of Antichrist as the war of Armageddon develops. Then in verse 9, it tells us that the Lord is ready now at this point to personally return and save her by destroying all these invading armies. It says, it shall be in that day that I will seek, and that's the day of it, Jerusalem coming under siege. God says, I will seek, I'll be ready to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And so at this time of the Battle of Jerusalem, when it's about to fall, we'd expect to see that the national repentance of Israel happening. And that's exactly what Zechariah describes in the following verses in Zechariah 12.10 all the way through chapter 13. And this reveals that it's what's happening in the hearts of Israel at this time that is the key to the whole situation. Zechariah 12.10 that says, I, that's the Lord speaking, I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace, that's the revelation of God's grace in Christ, the spirit of grace and supplication. They'll be enabled to plead for mercy and salvation of Jesus. Then it says, they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son. 
And this is a vital verse quoted in Revelation 1-7, Matthew 24-30, in connection with the second coming. And it also proves that Jesus is the Messiah. It describes the look of faith when Israel sees Jesus as the Messiah and looks to him for salvation. Not seeing him with their natural eyes, this is not talking about them seeing him with their natural eyes when he returns, because then it'll be too late for them to repent. Their repentance must come before he returns, because it's the basis for his return. And so it says that they, sh they will look on me, but it really should be translated, literally, they will look unto me whom they have pierced. Notice God is doing the speaking, and he is saying that they had pierced him. But God is spirit and cannot be pierced. So this means God must have taken on human flesh in the person of the Messiah and been pierced through. And of course, that's what happened on the cross. Throughout the tribulation, there'll be a growing realization among the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. And now, under the pressure of Armageddon, with her very existence at stake, God is pouring out the spirit of revelation and repentance on Israel so that they can see that Jesus is the God-man, Messiah, who was crucified for them. And also, through the spirit of grace and supplication, they realize they can receive his salvation through calling on him in faith. This morning describes their repentance and includes the idea of them pleading pleading for him to return, to save them, as, as one pleads for the return of a son who has been lost, desiring reunion. Then the following verses in Zechariah 12 describe their mourning as a national event, emphasizing that it's a genuine national repentance from the leadership down to all the people. It says, in that day there'll be a great mourning in Jerusalem, like the mourning at Hadad-Rimon in the plain of Megiddo. And the land shall mourn every family by itself, the family of the house of David and their wives by themselves, the family of the house of Nathan by itself and their wives by themselves, the family of the house of Levi by itself and their wives by, them, by themselves, family of Shimei by itself and their wives by themselves, all the families that remain, national repentance, every family by itself and, its, and their wives by themselves. And this repentance then results in the cleansing of Israel, the spiritual salvation of Israel that's described in Zechariah 13. And then it also results in the physical deliverance of Israel from her enemies and the establishment of the kingdom through Israel. And that's described in Zechariah 14. And so this national repentance of Israel is absolutely crucial. Let's see Zechariah 13. In that day a fountain of Messiah's blood shall be opened for the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. So at this point all Israel are cleansed from their sin and they're saved. All idolatry and occultism and false prophets will be banned and removed from Israel and this will continue through the millennium that's described in the rest of Zechariah 13. Zechariah 13:7 gives the historical background for why Israel has suffered so much and why she's in such danger of destruction. It says, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, that's Jesus, against the man who is my companion, or, or my equal, says the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. And so Israel was scattered because she rejected Christ. Then I will turn my hand against the little ones. And so Israel has been out of fellowship with God. And then in verse 8 and 9, tells us that only a third of the Jews on the earth will survive to the end of the tribulation. But the ones who are left will all be, believe and be cleansed and saved. 
and it will come to pass in all the earth, says the Lord, that two-thirds in it shall be cut off and die, but one-third shall be left in it. And I'll bring the one-third through the fire, through the tribulation. I'll refine them as silver as is refined, and test them as gold is tested. In other words, by the end of the tribulation, they'll be pure gold. They will call on my name and I'll answer them. And so the nation calls on Jesus, the Lord, to return, and he will return to deliver them from the Antichrist. I will say, this is my people, and each one will say, the Lord is my God. And so the whole nation will know the Lord personally through the new covenant. Although two-thirds of Israel will die in the tribulation, the remaining third will all be saved. As Romans 20, 11, 26 says, all Israel shall be saved. And so all the Jews surviving to the end of the tribulation will be believers and be saved by Jesus at his return. And he said that. He said, he who endures to the end shall be saved. The national repentance and salvation of Israel prepares the way for the second coming. And that's described in Zechariah 14 then. And it says, then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, having accomplished that rescue mission. Throughout the tribulation, Israel will increasingly turn to Jesus in faith. And the factors that will ca cause this include, first, the rapture of the church, let's say a billion born-again believers, will be a, a clear, f dramatic fulfillment of the New Testament, validating it as the Word of God, and therefore validating that Jesus is the Messiah. Secondly, the immediate removal after the rapture of the judicial blindness over Israel concerning Christ. And that's Romans 11.25. It says, Blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in through the rapture. And so, as a result, all Israel will be saved. That's in the tribulation. will be a major time for Israel to turn to God. Thirdly, the, the third factor these, actually those last two factors, help lead to the conversion and the anointed ministry of the 144,000 Jewish evangelists who realize the New Testament's true. And they then will preach the gospel to Israel and to the nations. And they'll spearhead the evangelism in the tribulation. And again, this will be another clear fulfillment of the New Testament. Fourthly, the dramatic ministry and testimony of the two witnesses to Jesus as the Messiah in the temple will be a dramatic, clear fulfillment of Old and New Testament prophecies, especially Revelation 11, and their, their climax in their death and resurrection after three days and ascension to heaven will be seen by the whole world, and that will be such a proof of the New Testament. Fifthly, the events of the tribulation will seem to agree in great detail with New Testament prophecies, especially the book of Revelation, as well as many Old Testament prophecies like Daniel. Sixthly, being deceived by the Antichrist will, will cause Israel to seek the true Christ. And seventh, the sufferings of the tribulation will cause them to seek help from God and to understand why all these things are happening to them. And they will realize that it must be because of their rejection of the Messiah. Eighthly, they'll see from the scriptures, especially Daniel 9.26, that the Messiah had to come before the destruction of their temple in AD 70. Ninthly, unbelievers will be purged by death um, by the judgments of the tribulation. Tenth, the final invasion of Israel at Armageddon brings them to the point of, of extinction, uh, that they are shattered, their strength is shattered, and so they realize their need 
for salvation. In that crisis, the whole nation will call upon the name of the Lord Jesus to save them. They'll be in a position of total helplessness where destruction is certain and they know that only God can rescue them. Concentrates the mind. Eleventh, God will pour out a spirit of grace and supplication, enabling them to believe and repent. Then they will see it's time for Christ to return. But he will only do so when Israel calls on his name to save them. One interesting picture that Israel will recognize Jesus in the seven years of tribulation after not coming to know him in the seven years of blessing during the time of John the Baptist and Jesus, AD 26 to 33, that's foretold in the type of Joseph whose brothers did not recognize him in the time of prosperity, but finally they recognized uh, him, um, they recognized their brother that they had rejected in the time of famine, in the time of tribulation. And so Israel will also recognize the Lord in that time of tribulation, in those seven years. They didn't know him in the seven years of abundance, but they came to know him in the seven years of famine. And when he revealed himself to them, and he saved them from death. And, uh, and so Jesus is the greater than Joseph. During his absence, it's interesting, from his natural brothers, Joseph was, was, um, had a Gentile wife. And so that's a picture of the church. Now, Hosea chapter 5 reveals what the leaders of Israel will say at this time to call the nation to repentance and reunite the nation and prepare it for the Lord's return. And the background of it is the national rejection of Christ. Let's read that. And it's the Messiah speaking. I will be like a lion to Ephraim and like a young lion to the house of Judah. You see, Jesus came as a king to Israel but was rejected and so he judges them instead of blesses them. I will tear them and go away. I will take them away and no one shall rescue. In other words, they'll be removed from their land. I, Jesus, will return again to my place. That's to heaven. Until, so he will return not forever, but only until they acknowledge their offense. What is the offense? That they rejected Christ. And so he needs the, uh, the repentance of Israel to acknowledge their sin before he can return. He says, then they will seek my face in their affliction, in the tribulation, they will earnestly seek me. And so the Messiah announces here, he will go to heaven until Israel repents of rejecting him as the king. And then he says, in the tribulation, they will repent. And he promises that when they do, he will return to them. In response to this promise, Israel's leaders will call the nation to repent. Using these words in, in uh, Hosea chapter 6. Come and let us return to the Lord. Let, the, calling the nation to return to the Lord. For he has torn, he's judged us, but he'll heal us. He's stricken, but he'll bind us up. In other words, he'll restore us again. Now, and here's the time factor. After two days, he will revive us. And on the third day, he will raise us up that we may live in his sight. Let us know the Lord. Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth, this is the second coming. His going forth out of heaven is established as the morning. In other words, his return from heaven is as fixed and as sure as the morning sunrise. And Jesus will return as the sun of righteousness, lighting up the whole world. And it, there's a fixed time for it, which is after two days. And so the, this repentance of Israel happens two days before the second coming. We're getting that close. 
And they know from scripture that Jesus is due to come in, those, in two days' time at the Feast of Tabernacles. They know it's established in the scriptures that Jesus will come to save them as surely as the sun rises in the morning. And moreover, the sunrise is certain to happen at a set time and so is Christ's return. And they know that the time for it is after two days. And this tells us that Israel will have completely repented as a nation two days before the second coming. Israel will also use the words of Isaiah 53 to confess her sin. And their pleading for Christ to return is also described in Psalm 80 and, and other scriptures. And, but Psalm 80, 17 is particularly interesting. They call on the Lord to actually release, for God to release an exalted man at, the right, at his right hand to, to return and save them. It says, let your hand be upon the man of your right hand, upon the son of man whom you've made strong for yourself. So this speaks of a man that has been exalted and made strong and is sitting at the right hand of God and they are asking for God's hand to come on him to release him, to return, to save them. The God-man Jesus will return in answer to these prayers from Israel. Now that Israel's national salvation and repentance has taken place, the stage is now set for Jesus to return after two days. Romans chapter 11, 25, 27 will then be fulfilled. Paul says, For I do not desire, brethren, you should be ignorant of this mystery. God wants us to know about these things. Lest you should be wise in your own opinion. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentile harvest has come in. And that's in the rapture. And so then... All Israel will be saved, spiritually and physically, as we've described. As it is written in Isaiah 59.20, the Deliverer, that's Jesus, will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So Jesus came out of Israel, it says. He came out of Israel in the first century to bring her into the new covenant which is designed to, to, to save her from her sins. And so, because he did that for Israel, it's necessary that he completes, because they didn't accept that work of the Messiah. But he came out of Israel, and God is going to finish what he started. It's necessary. He will complete this mission of saving Israel, uh, saving her spiritually from her sins through the new covenant, and then saving her physically from destruction by the Antichrist. And so he will surely do that, he says. And so all Israel will be saved. Jesus paid the price to save Israel, and so it's saying he will do this. But it will happen after the, the Gentile harvest has come in in the rapture, then God will, will, will complete the salvation of Israel. And so God is going to do this, but it is upon us. We have a part to play by praying for the salvation of Israel and for the Jewish people. My series on the book of Revelation, which goes right from the beginning all the way through to the end, verse by verse, is, was actually 29 messages in all of half an hour. And we've had at requests that uh, people can have the whole series together. So we've put these series on seven DVDs, and you'll get all 29 episodes on seven DVDs and it will be 70 pounds and you will have all of those teachings together on that DVD series which you can use to to show in in home groups and in different contexts so let me encourage you to get the whole series
Thank you for watching. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086.